listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Thank you for listening. The Infinite Smile Sangha is made possible by the generosity of friends, members, and people who have been touched by this teaching. Please visit our donations page at infinitesmile.org to help us continue our efforts in spreading the Dharma. So, when I first went to uh, a meditation, meditation hall where it was more formal, uh, they were doing all this bowing. I hated that. I always <laughs> bow. I'm not going to bow to anybody. Uh, which basically speaks to the core of this teaching. Um, it was made a lot easier for me when I realized what the bow actually meant. Uh, because I approached the teaching as no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do this for myself, which is a very kind of contracted place to be, obviously, especially in spiritual circles. I mean, you can find that, but I mean, pretty much what you don't want to do is uh, walk into, uh, you know, a, a spiritual offering and basically say, uh, I'm now going to run this my way. You know, that's really the, uh, that, that's the, if you will, the disease that we're trying to free ourselves from in varying degrees, of course. But the bow, um, I had it explained to me so beautifully by this, this, this man who, who just exuded this just radiance. I, it was just beautiful. And so I, whatever he was going to say, I was going to listen to. Uh, and he basically said, he said, yeah, you don't, you don't like the bowing, do you? It's like he saw right through my resistance to, I mean, when everybody was bowing, I was kind of going, you know, you know, just, <laughs> that's good enough, right? Back off. And, uh, uh, you know, he approached me and, and said, you know, th- th- this is uncomfortable for you. D- do you want me to tell you what it means? I'm like, yeah, okay, please, um, because you seem pretty cool. I didn't say that part, but I was basically thinking that. And he says, the bow is a salute to what is holy. It's a salute to what is holy, to what is sacred within you and within the other person. And so he says, so when you're bowing, essentially what you're doing is you're saluting what is sacred within yourself. I was totally blown away by that. Like, all right, okay, cool. (laughs) I can buy that. And I did. Um, I also then later found that there are all sorts of great explanations for this, but that you take one hand and another hand, wisdom, and compassion meeting in front of this thing we call a self and giving it all up. When we do this, we are essentially checking our ego at the door. And this is the fundamental delusion in much of the teaching. Meaning that we tend to look at everything as if I I'm in here and everything else is out there so that there is a self here and there is other stuff out there that is threatening to that self here or will help make this self safe against the threats. 
It's oppositional, in other words, that we tend to go through life from a place of opposition. We're divided. We're divided. I'm in here, everything else is out there. Yasutani Roshi, a teacher uh, Japanese, from the Zen lineage, Japanese tradition, uh, uh, he said that. He said, the fundamental delusion, the fundamental delusion is that we believe that I am in here and everything else is out there. And then another great uh, uh, teacher, Krishnamurti, said, the sum total of human suffering occurs in the space between the sense that I am in here and everything else is out there. So there's a great tradition of people who more or less we could bank on the fact that they knew what they were talking about saying exactly the same thing. And to that end, I gotta warn you, or maybe it's a thrill for you, I am saying nothing new. <laughs> there is nothing that I'm gonna tell you that hasn't been said a whole bunch before, in many cases probably a lot better, okay? <laughs> So let's just kind of get that out of the way. There's nothing I have to offer you. There's nothing I have to offer you. I will try to talk you through this <laughs> as best I can, but I'm not going to give you anything that you don't already have. Okay? So this idea, let's think about this. I'm in here and everything else is out there. This sense that you have of I of me, of mine. That's where we start. And it's not that you don't have an I or that you don't have a me or a mine and all that stuff. You do, but it's not the whole story. And that's where we take off. If we can begin to kind of question that, what does it mean to be a self? I'm not trying to be existential and fancy. I'm just, I'm just really, really asking you to, to consider that. What is it what is it in us that wants to possess, that wants to grasp, that wants to hang on to stuff that we know is going to be taken away? There's nothing any of us can hang on to. Just like you can't hold on to your breath without turning blue. You could try. I will laugh. But you got to let go. You got to let go. All of our relationships to everything, whether they're things or people, will ultimately, they'll get, the universe will yank them from us. Knowing that, knowing that there will be some unknown endpoint to everything, suddenly gives every second we have with all things that are precious to us, all people that are precious to us, all relationships that are precious to us, it imbues them with a tremendous amount of grace and joy and allows us to be appreciative, allows gratitude to fill our experience. I had an experience right before I got here. I was a little bit late today and it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I have found that my, my daughter um, is absolutely enamored of Zachary's Pizza. And she, she doesn't have all of her teeth yet, although they're kind of coming in now, so it's miserable for my wife and me most of the time because she's, you know, crying or feverous or whatever. But so, so I'm cutting up the Zach's pizza, 
And uh, which, by the way, is the greatest pizza in the world. If you haven't had it, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, that is a judgment, but it's true, damn it. Anyway, so, so I'm cutting up the pizza in these tiny little bites and giving them to her, and it's just like, wow, wow, wow. She is in heaven, absolutely in heaven. And then um, I'm kind of teasing her as she's eating, and she starts to laugh. And then she starts to choke. And then her face, instead of from this, goes to, and I immediately am going, whoa, what's going to happen now? And, and the thought, you know, all these thoughts immediately start going through my head. It's like, uh, the first thing was, I'm going to save her. The next thing was, my wife Allie's going to be pissed. The next thing was, whatever has to be done, where's the phone, you know, type of thing. And I'm going through like this fast. And then she's looking at me and this smile comes over her face. She coughs kind of like this and then vomits <laughs> everything I have just fed her all over the place. She laughed her way back into this world. So she throws up and then she's like <laughs> and then she, like what a moment. <laughs> You know, what a moment. But the reminder was profound. My time with that precious little girl is borrowed. My time with all of you is borrowed. Our time with each other is borrowed. Can't keep it. Can't keep it. So let's be grateful for it. Every bit of it. My daughter is not mine. She's the universe's child. She's been loaned to me, as has my wife, as has my job, as has this sangha. It's been loaned, but it's not mine. Me, mine, I, all of that stuff is there, but it's not the whole story. I, me, and mine plays out on the stage of mind. It plays out there. I've got this other huge capacity to who I am, to what I am, that has nothing to do with what's on stage. There's a deeper truth, essentially, is where we're kind of going with this. There's something bigger. And it doesn't negate that which is small. It embraces it. The audience doesn't push the ego off the stage. It smiles at it. It allows ego to bring itself back to life with a laugh. So, for this week, imagine, if you will, that it was time to be grateful. It was time to be grateful. That in other words, you suddenly recognize that nothing is yours to keep. Nothing is yours forever. Nothing is permanent. Everything is fleeting. How would that change the way you see those you love, those you hate, and everything in between? What would that mean? What would that mean in the grand scheme of things if you were actually grateful 
What would it mean if you could forgive? What would it mean if you could truly let go of the stuff that doesn't matter? What would that feel like? There's one way to find out. That's to just do it. It's not a Nike commercial. That is Dharma. Do it. Let go. Let go. And if you find yourself gripping onto something again, notice the gripping. The noticing of the gripping, believe it or not, is the surrender of it. It no longer holds you. Notice your life. Pay very close attention to exactly what's going on as it's going on. This allows us to dance. This allows us to dance with life. This allows for us to let life through us. This allows for the universe to work its mystery right through our cells all the time. For all time. Even when we're not here. Even when everything has been taken. What's left? All that is good, true, and beautiful that you always already are, that you always already have been. Let that out. Get out of the way. You ready? Mm -hmm. I have water in my hand, so I'm, it looks funny, but I mean it. I, I think so. I think it would be great if you could. It's always a little bit more, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, it's so much easier in a group. It's like, it's like the person next to you is supporting your, you know, it's like, man, they're doing it. Okay, you know. Um, so I would, I would recommend, and I would recommend that you, you push yourself a little but not too much. So if you can sit comfortably for 15 minutes, okay, sit for 20 and stay at 20 for a few days and then bump it up another five minutes. Okay? So you kind of just be gentle. Ease yourself, ease yourself into it. Um, I think that tends to work best. I, I've, I'm convinced that, that this process, whether, you know, you, you, we work with this Zen-inspired tradition that, you know, where I come from, or you go hardcore Zen, or you go Tibetan, or you go contemplative Christianity, or you go Kabbalah, or you go Sufi, or you go Vedanta, whatever tradition you're into. If you go into it whole hog, and you just become absorbed by it, it's pretty much, it becomes an addiction as opposed to a teaching. So small doses, small doses that you feel like you can manage, whatever you know, whatever you're using. I think, I think, I think that works best. Okay. So it was a silent retreat, too. And um, at lunch, we sat at a silent table, about six of us, and the young man came up to the table and ignored the silence. He was jovial and having a conversation with, with us without speaking. Was he a retreatant? Was he on... Oh, okay. He, he asked for a la mode with his pie. <laughs> <laughs> he kept asking.
asking for all I'm owed. And, and that bastard. <laughs> it's very humorous because I felt I was, I was silent. And so therefore there was no me involved. Yeah. And I wonder what was happening. Because it, it was a very odd experience. It, I don't think it was the point of the to, um I mean, obviously I was engaged following the conversation he was having. Um, what was going on? Well, the cool thing and the difficult thing about silence is, is it creates a container um, where or maybe I should call it a crucible, where the, the, the heat gets turned up. We cook when, we are, when we're in silence. Because when we are speaking, it's as if we are letting off the tension of knowing. The tension of grasping onto concepts and so forth. When we can talk about it, we can compartmentalize it and categorize it and so forth and express it. Not only do we keep from being still, and by the way, silence is just, stillness, really, yeah, we, we then are able to ignore the stillness. But what you're describing is really cool because you could watch your reaction to this chatterbox who sat at the silent table, you know, and, and while listening to you describe that uh, and how funny, I mean, it is listening to you say that, you know, the appropriate response for any of you sitting at that table might have been to point at the silent part where it said silent table and, you know. Would that have been appropriate? Sure. Sure it would have. Because essentially what he was doing is he wasn't being mindful. He wasn't being careful. He wasn't being caring. He wasn't respecting the boundaries of the retreat. Right? Now that takes courage. Well, it, it, it's all based on perception. Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't talk to any of them. I just, I was reaching for something, and one of the people grabbed the salt and pepper, and I said, no, no, I, I wanted something. Thank you. And that's all I said. And then after that, the You're in such trouble, Phil. <laughs> Don't try to talk your way out of this. Because I saw You it. talked. I've been to many silent retreats. Uh -huh. And then the lady comes up with the pie, and I had to make a little joke. I said, is there any Alamo? <laughs> and then that's all I said. <laughs> so I didn't have any conversations with anyone other than saying, no, thank you. I didn't want the salt and pepper. Gotcha. <laughs> and the person was trying to help me by being silent and give me something silently. And I was trying to say, no, that's not what I want. Does anyone in this room feel like this is a dysfunctional family discussion or not? <laughs> Anybody want to see any more dirty laundry? <laughs> Normally, I take it personally, but I thought this is this is great because right. I don't. I, I, Phil, I don't the table was silent. I'm not a Buddhist monk. <laughs> For that day, you are. So next time, I will sit down. When someone hands me something and I don't want it. Just bow. That's right. Just yeah. Perfect. That's perfect. That was great, man. Thanks. <laughs> oh. So what was going on? No, 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 because I want to make sure I come back to this. That was cute. What was going on? 
Gene. So my question to you is, what was going on? Where was the resistance? Because the resistance, while there was no self participating externally, it sounds to me like there was a self participating internally, right? No, I, oh. the charm of it was that there was no me. I couldn't answer, so therefore I wasn't. I oh. There was no. I could just observe that he was having actually a fairly good time. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, then, then, then you just uncovered the blessing of, of the silence. Right? In other words, what you were able to do was kind of peel back that veil of self and see what was beyond it. There was no self to participate. It wasn't required. And it sounds to me like there was no resistance. There was no, it just was. You weren't even engaged with it. No, it wasn't offensive. It yeah. Was just... Right. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, in the walking meditation? <laughs> Great. <laughs> there. No. <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to add that, uh, and thank you, Bill. You're welcome. Let us pass the salt. <laughs> such a, uh, it was a very interesting <coughs> point of, of awareness, you know, at lunch. Yeah. Yeah. In, in that situation and silence. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a crucible. It, it it really does help. It helps. I mean, as as much fun as we have in here and so forth. I mean, this is really serious business. The idea is for us to quite literally rehearse our own death, so that we can. I mean, every one of us on our deathbed, every one of us on our deathbed, is going to let it all go. We're just going to let it all go. There's going to be a piece of an unfathomable depth that will take over. Now, that's going to happen. Imagine what that would be like if you could be in that space before you actually go so that you can integrate that recognition, that realization with your day-to-day. That's the process of awakening. That's what we're trying to do, essentially. And so however we can meet that potential, man, what, what, what else could be better? What else could be better? Yes. Why is there a skeleton in the room? <laughs> <laughs> to remind us that we're all going to die. <laughs> no, this is... Um, this is Mark Horner's uh, yoga studio. And by the way, if anybody, you ever want a, a yoga teacher that will kick your butt, Mark's the guy. And, and he does, I mean, he's just an exquisite teacher. And so he's, he's been able to show uh, many of us who've withstood even 10 minutes with the guy, show exactly why it hurts where it hurts, you know. Although I personally like the idea that it reminds us of why we're here. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> yes, Aaron. Um, when I saw you on the stairs and I said that I'd been floating all day, um, I think what I meant to say 
was that I felt a lot of space around everything mm-hmm. all day. And I'm, I'm just curious. I haven't been doing a meditation every day. I've only been doing the Monday nights. But yeah. after doing it for an entire day, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what could happen if I did sit still for a little bit every day. Could I expect more of that feeling? I mean, duh. I know. <laughs> You've said it before. but <laughs> um, Duh what? Duh, yes, of course, I can expect to feel more of that. I'm just wondering maybe. if maybe... Yeah, let me tell you what the trap, though, that you're articulating, if, if I may, if I may jump in just here a little bit. One of the dangers is for us to turn meditation and the really cool invitation to the party we get, every one of us, at some point, we start meditating, and there's this moment. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it just happens spontaneously where we're sit- sitting there, and it's like... Oh, and it's like we're walking through syrup. I mean, it's like this feels so good. And basically, it's an invitation, but it's not awakening. And what happens then is people just work and sit and incorporate stillness and go find different teachers and read, you know, all these books to get that feeling again. So they've attached to the feeling and the attachment kills it. So my recommendation to you would be don't cling to the experience because in the clinging to the experience you'll defile it. All the bliss, let it go. All the pain, let it go. And guess what happens? Over time there tends to be an abiding level of peace and openness that begins to kind of just take over. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of what I was asking. Mm-hmm. Is if I don't need to ask. I know the answer. There we go. Best kind of question. Thanks for coming tonight. Thank you.